Well, hello everybody. Welcome to February Community Wise Podcast. I am Holly Long, your host, and I am excited today because one is Black History Month. And as you know, in this platform, we've always said Black History Month should be every month of the year as well as um, everything, right? It's inclusive of everything and everyone. But this year, we wanted to take a different spin on Black History Month. Um, as we all know, we are still living in the, the throes of COVID. And because of that, um, a lot of Black-owned businesses are still struggling. And so we recognize the invaluable contributions Black Americans have made in Black History Month throughout the whole year but particularly on our economy and our country and across the world. So what better way than to talk about how we can support Black-owned businesses than with the Heartland Chamber of Commerce President, Ms. Kim Randolph. Hey, Ms. Kim! Hey, Holly. Holly, so I'm going to have to get you politically correct. We are the Heartland Black Chamber of Commerce. Okay. Uh, a lot of times people leave off the Black Chamber, and that's the important piece. It's not that we're separate, but our our focus is on the Black community and um, doing our part to make yeah. sure that we are a part of the American fabric. I love it. Yes, indeed. Well, let's get into it. Let's talk to us about Heartland Black Chamber of Commerce and what we do. What can we do to help sustain black businesses? Yeah, let's let's do it. <laughs> so we're gonna dig in and we're just gonna we're gonna have a conversation. Great, great. So so Heartland Black Chamber of Commerce actually started KBCC, which was Kansas Black Chamber of Commerce, uh, by a gentleman named Leroy Toom, and I believe it was started in 2004. This is before my time, mm -hmm. and uh, the reason that they started it was for the there was a need for advocacy and uh, leadership in the black community for black entrepreneurs. And over the years, you know, just like everything, it evolved and it got bigger. Um, I joined actually the chamber. I am a business owner. I own my own construction management firm. Um, I wear a couple of hats. So I am a, a founder of Inq, which is construction management. I'm a JV partner with Kwame Building Group from St. Louis. And then, of course, I'm the CEO and president of the Heartland Black Chamber. But when I joined the chamber. Do you sleep? Uh, <laughs> sometimes. Usually, so usually I'm asleep between 6.30 in the evening and about 3.30 in the morning. <laughs> gotcha. So anyway, um, so when I joined the chamber, uh, it was for my business and understanding uh, what does a chamber do? What is a chamber supposed to do? Well, my understanding was it was an advocacy group and they were going to help me to uh, connect, promote and grow. And those were their, that was their tagline. And so um, I needed that. Well, being a member of the black chamber, I learned that there was more need and it was a bigger uh, piece that needed to be uh, complemented or added to. Uh, so as a member, I became a board member. From a board member, uh, I became an executive board member. And then uh, the then president was asked to, to join the mayor of KCK. I was asked to step in interim. And interim turned into a whole job. So um, 
But the the reason that I took this on was uh, in the Midwest, we have a lot of resources, a lot of organizations that do a lot of stuff. And but it's scattered, it's everywhere. And so the chamber, um, when I looked at other chambers across the country, we're not supposed to do all the, the work. We're right. supposed to convene all the resources and make sure that if you need help or wherever you are in your business, that we're connecting you to the right resources. Mm-hmm. So um, that's what we do. And this is how we are starting to develop this program or this this organization to help black businesses become not only uh, new and upstarting, but we want them to scale up. We want them to be sustainable. Uh, If if the pandemic taught us anything, it was the need for um, somewhere that our businesses could go and and figure out what to do next. Right. Right. Okay. So in my research and of course, you know, working for LISC, you learn about the the capital access issue, the lack of um, access, um, particularly for black and brown businesses. Yes. Can you explain to us, and I'm sure most of us know, but can you break it down in a way that only you can? Why are we even faced black and brown businesses face with um, capital access issues? So there, you know, there's, there's a couple of, couple of things um, that one, we have to be honest. We have to be honest as black and brown people. Um, we, we look at things and say, well, we don't get the opportunity. We don't have the access. However, uh, the next thing that the pandemic taught us is that we're not prepared to receive the capital when it's there. Uh, we don't have, we have to be more conscious and we have to learn. I, I, I think a lot of it has to do with even uh, starting at home, starting in our schools, teaching economics so that we understand the banking system, so that we understand what it means to have credit. When we go into business, understanding your personal credit and your business credit. And although business credit is what you want to develop and grow. Your personal credit has to be in place too. Because a lot of times, even with good business credit, you're going to have to guarantee the loan with your personal credit. Mm-hmm. So some people don't don't acknowledge that. Um, the next big snafu for us mm-hmm. is interest rates. Um, yeah. we, we may have uh, access to the money but the interest rates are predatory. So if, if I go in and I apply for a $25,000 grant, but I have to end up paying 40000 back, um, it's defeating my purpose. And that's, that's a big drawback. Um, and then you want me to guarantee uh, this, this $25,000 loan, uh, which I could lose everything uh, because I couldn't pay you $40,000 back. So our interest rates are another big barrier. Uh, but for me, the biggest um, barrier to our access to capital is access to market. Okay. Explain that. So you get the money. 
and I and I talk about this even with grants. So you know, everybody wants a grant, so everybody runs and gets a grant. If you get a grant, do you have a market that's going to make you sustainable? Where's your market? Where's your money coming from? Are you depending on all of your revenue to come from one revenue source? Have you looked at um, where am I selling? Who are my who are my uh, customers? And if I have put myself in a box where I only have one kind of customer whose revenue is fluctuating up and down and may not even make it to where I am, I'm not sustainable. And these are some of the things that, that banks and lenders look at. They want to know who is your market and um, how are you going to pay me back? It's almost just like... Uh, your kid, my kid comes to me and say, Mama, I want to borrow $500. Okay, uh, when do you get paid? Because how are you going to pay me back this $500? And so that's what lenders want to know is how we're going to pay it back. And I think um, those are things that we have to address ourselves. Uh, the things that the access um, has to be on building relationships. Uh, we, some of us don't have banks. Uh, or some of us have banks. I met people during the PPP that have been banking at a bank for 20, 25 years and couldn't get the PPP loan. But the only person you know in the bank is the teller that you make your deposits and your transactions to. The teller can help you get that loan. Mm -hmm. And so um, uh, lending is, um, is a large market uh, and because of the way our system is set up, uh, unless you have A1 credit, uh, it's not going to be an easy thing to do. Um, so when you, we talk about uh, our lack of credit or our access to credit, there's several variables that we don't really talk about. We just say we go to the bank, we ask for it, and, and we can't get it. I will say there's another thing that I'm um, working toward in our um in our chamber, what we looked at was that when our small businesses need to get a loan, they yeah, and have to get a, a business plan. Yeah. They go to um, there's several resources out here that do really good uh, training, but they're cookie cutter. Mm -hmm. So, if if you are in, I can't set a business plan and a, a projection for a construction company the same way I would do a restaurant. Right. There, there, we've got to be, yes, you have to be industry specific. Mm -hmm. And I, I learned that because we're not um, doing the extension in training, I don't want to, I don't want to say these, these trainings out here are no good. I'm not going to say that. I'm going to say that there's got to be the ex extension that once you get the basics, then you get with someone that can take you into the industry so you'll understand the industry because that's another thing the bank is going to look at. When you hand me a proposal, if your proposal doesn't show me any knowledge of your industry or you know how uh, the, the, the market is running, then that's another uh, flag for me. Right. So. so what are some ways... For our business owners who are listening along, what are ways that they can, or initiatives that we have in place um, that will help them, um, whether that's coming to the Heartland Black Chamber of Commerce, whether that's going um, 
you know, to their bank. How do you make those banking relationships? How do you become bankable? How, do, how does that all happen? So, uh, of course, you know, I'm going to wave the Heartland Black, Black Chamber flag. I have to wave that first <laughs> yeah. because we have partners and we are working with our financial institutions, our banks and our credit unions um, to establish those programs so that our, our members are becoming um, partners with the bank. You want your bank to be your partner. We don't want them just to be your banker. So we partner, we're partnering them. But there's other organizations, like one of my favorite organizations is, and I, Dan and, and Sharon, they already know, but the, uh, Porterhouse KC. Yeah. Porterhouse KC has been uh, a great partner of the chamber, uh, but also they have established and are establishing a step up, a, a continuance to the training. This never ends. I've been in business for a long time and every year or two I am revamping even my business plan. So um, the, the, the training gets larger and your industry is ever changing. Uh, with us, we're doing the same thing. We're looking to be in between um, one of those steps in between. Then there's the one of my other favorites, and they work well with me, and I think you know about them, is uh, BXKC. Oh, yeah. BX, BXKC, shout out to hey, hey, that Craig. whole team. Hey, Craig, and uh, <laughs> the whole team. Yeah. Uh, they're, uh, they are working on, on programs to help develop. And even if you don't own a business, if you are in your career or you you need to develop these relationships uh, with with um, C, on the C level, but also in banking, it is you, the greatest thing you can do is develop a relationship with a financial institution where not just the uh, teller and I'm not going to say not just the because everybody's job is important. I'm saying, but the per person that you may need to take you to the next level, who you've gotten to know, uh, develop those relationships. Uh, go to your networking events. Get to know what's out there and who's out there. That's why Heartland Black Chamber is important because what we can't give you, we know who can and we know where to send you. Um, and then at the end, end of the day, we have created a pathway where we're all working together. We're not, nobody can be the end-all, be-all, but there is an end-all, be-all collectively. Okay, cool. So let's talk about, um, as a Black-owned business owner, getting more corporate sponsorships or help from corporations. And, and why is that so important for sustainability sake? And yeah, I'm gonna leave it there. We'll just leave it at that one. <laughs> so, so first I want you to take one word out of that vocabulary, sponsor. I don't need a sponsor. A sponsor is somebody I've got to go back to every year and ask you for something. When I talk to our corporate, they're our partners. We put together a, a, path, a path or a plan that we have goals set on, and we need partners to help us achieve these goals. If, if our goals and their goals align, then we have a partnership and we sit down and we work together to build this, this plan and to make it work. Uh, that's how we become sustainable. We become sustainable because we start being partners and we stop being sponsors or 
I, I don't know what you call them. But also, we've got to stop just depending on corporate. We've got to learn how to partner with one another. So one of the things that I noticed uh, about some of the other ethnic groups, um, whereas there may be a need for, uh, and I'll just say digital work, uh, right. the, the websites. And the, so everybody, I always use this, and everybody tells me stop, but I'm going to say it anyway. I'm an old lady. <laughs> Social media is not my friend. <laughs> It is not, I, I go on and I, I like here seeing some of the posts, but me sitting down doing the social media, the TikToks and the, the everything that, that draws, that's not my space. Right. So, but it may be your space and we're trying to build a, and I'm going to say an ecosystem. Yes. We're building an ecosystem and everybody has to bring to the ecosystem in order for it to grow. And sometimes with us, we don't put into the ecosystem unless we're getting out of it. And if everybody's pulling out of it and nothing's going into it, there's never going to be anything to grow it. So we've got to learn how corporate is not going to partner with us until we partner with one another. And so, and that's the beauty of some of the collaborations that the chamber has been able to make with, B, make with BXKC, Porterhouse KC, EBB. Um, that's another one of our partners. Uh, these partnerships have attracted other partnerships. So now the Monarchs is a partner. Uh, I have a partnership. I just had a meeting with uh, Kansas City Hotel, used to be the Kansas City Club. If you don't know the history of Kansas yes. City Club, we weren't even allowed to go in there. No. But we, we're creating a partnership there. But I have partnerships growing. But what we need, uh, another one of my partners who right now is doing my website and taking care of my social media is uh, Cyber Creation. Um, and then also the Blacklist. So these things, the, putting into this, it's starting to build something that will help all of us as black business, black entrepreneurs to be sustainable, somewhere to go when I need help. Yeah. Uh, our next our next goal is to uh, figure out our own financial uh, uh, lending program yeah. where we can help um, make those decisions and, and take away, especially the predatory, the predatory um, interest rates. But there, it has to be a collaborative and it has to be an ecosystem. I wanted to bring in the sustainability factor for a lot of black owned businesses. So what can we as the public do to help um, encourage sustainability of, of businesses, of these, this ecosystem and do our part to contribute to this ecosystem? So one, you know, one of the, the important pieces are, uh, when we are looking to buy uh, products or services, let's look not just at the brand names or the the areas in which we're used to. Uh, let's look and see if there's someone out there that has a small boutique or a small restaurant and, and try something new. Um, but also for us, come to the Black Chamber because we're going to have a Black directory. And... Uh, pretty soon the Black Directory, uh, the Black List will be on our website. And when you're getting ready to, to do something, 
uh, or buy something, check there first and see if there's someone out there. That would help uh, our small businesses. A lot of times, and it's not just about the black business anymore. Uh, it's about small business in America. They are the, um, the biggest employers. And uh, so when you look at going to your big box stores like your Walmarts and your Targets and things like that, um, yeah, they, they might be a little bit cheaper, uh, but one, they have the buying power, they have had, they have the customer base, and, uh, but they won't have that uniqueness that you're looking for. Okay. Okay. And my final question, and then we can wrap up. So can you distinguish the difference between um, supporting black, black or brown businesses against the perception of that being discriminatory towards our other uh, Caucasian brothers or sisters are people who don't look like you and I on, on this um, podcast? So a lot of my people are not going to be happy with this, this answer. They're not going to like me, but it's okay because I'm saying this out of love and I'm saying this for you. I want you to take a look at how you present your business and where you present it. I always use the analogy that we are the only group of people that don't go after everybody's money. We want to get up and say, we can't make it because we don't support our own. Nobody just supports their own. But if you go to the Hispanic restaurant, and I'm just going to use Hispanic restaurant. Number one, we have to stop being afraid of competition with one another. We want to be the only one in town that's doing this one thing when there's a whole city of us that wanted to enjoy the same thing. But I look at, you go down Southwest Boulevard on a Tuesday, and there is at least 20 Mexican restaurants. And every one of those restaurants are th thriving. And on any given day, in any, at any time, you can walk in there and you will see black people. You will see Hispanic people. You will see, I've seen Asians in a Mexican restaurant, white people. They go, but the difference is when we open our restaurants, we're in areas that's uninviting. We have very poor customer service. We have not learned how to be, um, we haven't learned our industry and our business. Now, not that I've gone into every Mexican restaurant and got the best service, not that I've gone into every Chinese restaurant and got the best service, but when I say that we have to figure out a way to be more inviting and inclusive and in wanting people to come in. Now, I have, as a, as a chamber that's regional, I don't just look in the urban core. I have uh, members that are in Overland Park. I have members that are in Liberty. I have members that are in Olathe. And then when we go, you know, up north, I mean, uh, out south in Raymore and these businesses, when you go in there, they figured out a way to make their establishment authentically them, but inviting to other people to want to try your culture and try your food. And so, um, that's a big deal um, that I think that we need to look at, even in our boutiques, in our shops, um, what we do and how we do it. We have to be looking on a capitalistic mindset. We have to get off the, the idea that someone owes you something. You are a business person 
And you have to think of this as business. And as a business person, you need to make sure that you're, you've researched everything, every aspect, and look at who, where is my money going to be drawn from. We definitely want to have businesses in the urban core. It is important for our communities to grow to have good businesses. But now, as a business in the urban core, we have to, number one, make sure that the, the, our customers around us and our stores and all the things that we have, that it's inviting, that somebody wants to pull up and, and buy from your shop. Uh, we have to, to clean our parking lots. Uh, clean our the windows on the door and make it inviting. Uh, I'm looking at I'm looking with a hope and bated breath that 18th and Vine, the Jazz District, is going to be that staple for us because it has a plethora of history, and getting around the the um, the territorial mind, mind, mind mindset and get into the business mindset that we go down there and we open up businesses. It doesn't matter who owns the property or who's developing. If we can be the business owner down there, we are still creating generational wealth. But we need to do it on a business mindset and not on a, number one, polit political mindset. Mm -hmm. So it's telling me, uh, computers now not allowing Riverside to record. So I got to refresh again. Hold up. That's okay. And we're wrapping up. Any closing remarks? Where do you see the Heartland Black Chamber of Commerce in 10 years? Well, first of all, in 10 years, they'll have a new CEO. <laughs> Let's make that very clear. Um, but in 10 years, I'd love to see the Heartland Black Chamber with the next generation leadership. Uh, not my generation, but the next, because you guys have the innovation, you have the technology. And I'd like to see the chamber being that, that place where the next leader is already developing the leaders behind them. That they realize that my time here is limited. It's not for me to stay, but this is the... Uh, the catapult or the, the the place where we continue to grow and we continue to uh, pipeline of leaders and um, politicians even, uh, CEOs. We want to create C-level, C-suite people. So there's a lot that we can do. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us for this month's uh, podcast. We appreciate you. And yeah, we'll put up the website for the Heartland Black Chamber of Commerce in this link. Thank you so much. Th thank you so th much. Thank you, Holly. It was a pleasure. And you guys at Black uh, Excellence, keep up the good work. Indeed, indeed. Thank you. All right.